Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, folks. I am John Nigerian, co-founder of Market Rebellion, and this is Compound Interests. Compound Interests, I get to sit one-on-one -on -one with uh, business leaders, um, entertainers, and we talk about whatever's interesting to both of us. This week, it was Alex Mascioli. Alex is the founder of the Crypto Fund Report. Um, Crypto Fund Report, you can just go to that uh, .com, CryptoFundReport.com, and you get for free um, the stories about digital assets that Alex and his team have gathered from around the internet. And then they place them in, uh, I'd say you get it by late afternoon Sunday, New York time. Um, and it's a great uh, way to start off uh, your trading week. Again, those of you who do trade crypto assets, if you don't yet, you might want to check it out. Um, if you're somebody who's learning about crypto assets, well, over at Market Rebellion, we've got education for crypto assets. You can see that by going to marketrebellion.com forward slash get started. And Alex and I spoke about uh, Pantera and what they're doing, which are the top coins that they're buying right now. Um, Goldman Sachs renewing a commitment to digital assets and cryptocurrency, clearing, uh, you know, prime brokerage and all the rest. I think you'll enjoy the discussion with Alex Mascioli of Bquant and the Crypto Fund Report. Take a listen. Thanks a lot, John. Pleasure to be on, man. Great, great show. I've um, um, been a fan, listened to the previous episodes, and uh, I'm honored. Thank you. Oh, please. Thank you. Um, and Alex, first off, tell, tell the folks a little bit about Bquant, because um, I know that you were excited about the deal when you did that with them in 2011, 2019. I'm sorry. I think you finalized that deal. So you've really been at it less than a year with them. Is that right? Yeah, that's correct. About uh, 10 months now. Um, and uh, it's been quite the ride. Um, you know, Bequan, we're, we're an institutional capital markets firm in the digital asset space. Uh, our core products are prime brokerage, uh, margin financing, fund administration. Um, and, you know, we, we went live out of beta with prime broker brokerage really is the first true prime brokerage by definition um, in uh, a Coindesk article uh, back in May. Um, and since then, it, it's just been busy. It, it's just us trying to, you know, revolutionize the digital asset space for the institutions. Right. Well, and folks, uh, I think a lot of you, um, if you're active traders, you know a little bit about prime brokerage. Um, in the uh, uh, futures space and uh, securities space, there are a host of big ones like uh, Deutsche Bank, Goldman Sachs, JP Morgan, um, but in the crypto space, it's harder to find those, that kind of uh, support because that's what you're looking for is support. You're looking for somebody who can get you borrows on hard to borrow issues when we're talking about securities. And when you're talking about cryptos, it's really no different as far as you have a lot of demand from those bigger institutional clients, Alex, that, uh, you know, uh, Coindesk, uh, as good as they may be, you know, various uh, different 
crypto exchanges and things that act as both broker and exchange, uh, you need to get some, you know, uh, throughput for all those big institutional clients or they'll go somewhere else. Yeah, no, 100%. That's exactly right. Um, and it, it's, uh, it, it's, you know, for us, it's the support, the coverage. It, it's a maturing industry, right? So um, we're still in the infancy of the end of crypto as a whole. And we're in a super infancy as a crypto uh, on the institutional level. So, um, you know, we have a lot of portfolio managers that come out of traditional uh, shops such as Citadel, Morgan Stanley, and, and the such. And they want to have that look and feel, which is very similar when they run their book at those, at those big houses. So it is about the support. It is about the borrows. It is about the execution, the reporting, and, and all the stuff that, you know, translates back into the traditional, uh, traditional world. Um, let me ask you one thing right off the top then, Alex, as far as, you know, cryptos. We've talked, you know, most of 2020, we were setting up for the halving, um, which doesn't mean, folks, that they cut the currency in half if you haven't been paying attention. It may, means that the rewards paid to the nodes that are out there doing the work of verifying trades so that crypto doesn't get double spent, like Bitcoin, for instance, doesn't get double spent. Um, they call those folks miners. And they're basically using that distributed ledger and they're proving out that indeed that coin is um, being used uh, and there is still value to that coin. Uh, because otherwise that's one of the really big issues that hopefully Satoshi and some of the folks around Alex uh, in the uh, digital asset side have solved as far as you know, making sure that by that verification process, all these different nodes um, it's harder and harder to do what they do. It, it uh, uses a lot of power, as we've all heard, a lot of computing power as well. And uh, the, the rewards for this just got cut in half, right, Alex? Yep, that's correct. Happens every four years. When it happens, um, do you notice um, a, uh, a lag in the system then, Alex? Does it take longer? Um, or... Is it just the opposite? Because without as many people on the node um, verifying uh, that there's not as much traffic. Well, I think, I, I think all of that comes down really to uh, profitability. So the, the miners, when, you know, like you said, it's called the halving. When, it, when the halving happens, it, it's reducing the rewards to those miners. And so any sort of uh, system of verification or speed of verification, is really going to be on their business model, on whether that having the reward is still uh, is going to you know impact their P and L, if it's still going to remain a profitable business for them, um, and if so, it, you know really uh, hash rates and 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 verification will stay online if it is. Um, I think uh, the last having that we just you know passed in May, um, I, you know I think uh, there was a lot of rethought and retooling on, on some of the miners. And I think in, on that side of the fence, that industry is gonna you know, start to really go to the larger players who can uh, create sustainability in that, like the bit names of the world. Now, when, when we're looking around at what has happened lately, of course, um, you know, here we are August 13th, Alex, this episode will probably go up tomorrow the 14th, but um, 
when you're looking at the volume of crypto traded and the market caps of uh, Bitcoin and Ethereum, um, I'm sure we b would have both agreed that we would likely see uh, uh, Ethereum still be in the number two spot. But are you surprised um, when you look around at it and see that Ethereum um, market cap of all the Ethereum out there, the 112 million coins that are out there is pushing to $45 billion now. I mean, Bitcoin's still at 11,565, uh, so 11,565 bucks is a $214 billion instrument. But are you surprised that Ethereum has made as big a comeback this year as it has? Yeah, you know, Ethereum is, you know, one, it's outperformed uh, Bitcoin, um, you know, to your point with market cap size. Uh, but I think uh, we're seeing, uh, my, my personal opinion is I think we're seeing uh, a resurgence of Ethereum because right now there is so much built on Ethereum that a lot of funds, a lot of the institutional players believe that it's a great underlying investment. Um, whether it's uh, security tokens or or, or uh, DeFi tokens or, or NFTs. Um, you know, I think what surprises me more is that today Link moved into the number fifth spot and pushed out Bitcoin Cash, <laughs> which, uh, which was, uh, you know, you start rolling around the top five, but DeFi mania has just taken by storm and Link is one of those, you know, cryptos that... Uh, uh, that is just skyrocketed in value. But I think, to, you know, back to Ethereum, I think Ethereum is being placed as a, uh, a solid bet with the crypto investors because of its widespread usage as an underpinning to a lot of other coins, projects, and tokens. Well, when you look at it, folks, the March low, um, you know, when people were burning stock certificates and you know, dumping out of uh, everything uh, from Apple on down before they kind of figured out that maybe it wasn't really the end of the world. Uh, this was a $110 instrument, and now it's literally $400. I mean, it's just a, a couple ticks away from that, Alex. Yeah. So to your point, certainly there's been an endorsement uh, by the use of it, and uh, there have to be some really big winners in the uh, institutional space, in the hedge fund space, if you will, because when we talk about prime brokerage, you know, that Bquant does and so forth, we're talking about, you know, people that are clearing, you know, tens of millions, if not more per day in these trades. Um, yeah. You know, do you, do you have any great, uh, uh, without even using the name, if you don't have to, uh, do you have any, uh, of those kind of stories about, hey, John, there's this $10 million hedge fund that, you know, just has lit it up this year and they've returned 600% or whatever the heck? We, I mean, uh, not 600%, but uh, over 100%. Um, and that's on volumes of, uh, you know, over 500 million monthly, so which is pretty large. Um, you know, the, some of the volumes, you, you talk about spot volumes with like, uh, you know, trading Ethereum and Bitcoin, stuff like that. Um, we have some funds, uh, actively traded funds that, you know, are turning a couple hundred million in volume a, a month and are really outpacing uh, the market. You know, they're, they're up there with the S&P 500 or above uh, in returns. 
Um, and then you go to the derivative side of, of the theory of Bitcoin. We have guys that are, are doing a billion a week in vol and uh, just crushing it. Um, but we have the guys that buy and hold and keep it in their treasury. And the ones that have done that, we have funds that do that with Ethereum um, and various other coins, have really brought up their alpha just by buying and holding and, and gaining on that, uh, you know, that month over month increase. Well, because um, I know one of the reasons I asked that was I know that uh, Alex's other job running the crypto fund report which is like the marketing arm, I guess, to bring more people into uh, BQuant and so forth. He had uh, Dan Moorhead, the uh, CEO over at Pantera. I've had, and I know you have uh, as well, Alex, the opportunity to talk with Dan. And he was, uh, he actually listed some of his uh, biggest holdings. Yeah. That Pantera, you know, one of the OGs as far as um, hedge fund crypto firms, you know, he listed Filecoin, um, um, let's see, Zerox, Polkadot, uh, you know, a whole bunch of altcoins. In, and by the way, folks, this is a $600 million uh, space for uh, Pantera. Pantera has $600 million in assets in this. So anything that he lists as interesting to them you know that as soon as you published that, Alex, people had to be jumping on that stuff. Oh, yeah, 100%. I mean, Pantera is definitely uh, one of the leading forces in this industry. And, and when, when, when I saw that list, I, I, was, a little, I was a little surprised. Uh, you know, I can't say that I was, you know, disapproved of it, but I didn't think Dan Pantera team were holding those particular coins. Um, but it just goes to show that, you know, there's, there's a lot of smart people out there that, see the potential for alpha and things that we may not. So, you know, kudos to that team. And by the way, that I think, I think Pantera's in the crypto space been around since 2012. I mean, uh, that was before crypto funds ever became a thing. Right. Well, and uh, by the way, folks, if you want to subscribe to um, cryptofundreport.com, you can subscribe, you know, I, I guess I'm, uh, uh, they always say, don't ask a question you don't know the answer to, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Um, I might just be getting it out of the goodness of Alex's dark heart. Um, but Alex, is there a fee to subscribe to the crypto fund report? No, there's, there's no fee. It, it, I started that uh, two and a half years ago as a, just a newsletter with institutional news and, and crypto fund stuff because it's what I wanted to read and kind of cut through the noise. And uh, about six months into it, sending out weekly, uh, we had about 20,000 subscribers. And so obviously there was a lot of other people in the institutional side that uh, wanted to cut through the noise and just read what they wanted to read specifically each week. Um, so it kind of grew on its own and, and blossomed, but um, there's never a fee. I put that out every, uh, every Sunday about midday. So look for it, folks. Um, he breaks a lot of news on there. Um, and if nothing else, it's a one-stop shop. It's a lot like uh, the Drudge Report or Zero Hedge as far as um, Alex is gleaning all this information from a whole bunch of sources. Like for instance, the number two article this week that I saw on there, Alex, was um, about uh, Matt McDermott becoming uh, the head of more or less digital assets over at Goldman Sachs. Big news. Um, can you believe that 
after flaming out so spectacularly two years ago when Goldman said they were getting into the space, they all of a sudden uh, just, they, they flushed it. And now, Alex, they're getting back in in a much bigger way because like Bquant, these, uh, this is a, a London-based guy. Yeah, I, I, you know, I never understood. I, I think um, large banks like that, they, they, they play with a double-edged sword. Um, on one hand, uh, you know, they're shareholder-driven. On one hand, they, 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 their shareholders are going to yell at them if they make an investment directly into crypto because they're saying, well, hey, why are you doing that? And on the other hand, if crypto is an explosive financial market, they're going to, the shareholders are going to yell at them for saying, hey, why didn't we have any exposure? Goldman is interesting in the fact that uh, a handful of years ago, they invested heavily into a company called Circle, which became a big leader in the OTC market for crypto um, and now you know, has its own uh, stablecoin in conjunction with Coinbase. And um, you know, our good friend Steve Ehrlich over Voyager has partnered up with a couple of their businesses that they've spun out. But that was their exposure. And it wasn't, it wasn't a light exposure. It was 10 figures uh, that they put into it. And all of a sudden, there was rumors that they had an internal trading desk in crypto. And then all of a sudden, they backpedaled on that story. And then you come out with their shareholder meeting that happened uh, just a, a few months ago. And it was publicly stated, Bitcoin and cryptocurrency are not an asset. That's what they said. It was, it was a defining moment in the shareholder meeting of a big bank. But then all of a sudden, you know, and this is what, why the winds always change in crypto. Then all of a sudden we get an announcement uh, from the office of the comptroller a couple of weeks ago that says all regular uh, federally chartered banks are allowed to custody crypto without filing any paperwork. You're automatically a crypto custodian by law. Don't worry about it. You let two, three weeks pass from that announcement, all of a sudden Goldman goes back into the game and they announce this new role and team building. So, you know, they have shifted sides of the fence for the last couple of years, but hopefully this time it's going to stick with them. Yeah, well, um, I remember in 2018, I think it was, Alex, when uh, Stevie Cohen um, decided to get involved. I remember... Also, Mark Lazary buying some, not trading it, just buying some Bitcoin. I think it's the only one he bought. Um, and, uh, you know, now we've got JP Morgan, um, Facebook, and a host of others doing various uh, stable coins. Um, you know, in other words, tied to the U.S. dollar for the most part, folks. Um, not doing it to, you know, let the asset gather its value by its scarcity, but more or less, uh, you know, uh, and I think, didn't I read, Alex, that Ripple no longer wants to just be the so-called banking currency or, or whatever? They want to be more than that. We'll have to see what ends up happening with that. There's so <laughs> many of those damn coins out there. But um, I, I, th I found that interesting that Ripple, which was always viewed by people as the banking coin, is instead now saying, yeah, we don't want to be the banking coin. I think I think you know I don't I don't uh, XRP is a is its own animal I think um, and uh, you know that's been a sideways play for a couple of years they've had no particular price action on XRP um, you know they they control a lot of the uh, inventory on the on the coins 
Um, so people are uh, skeptical. Some other people are, are saying, you know, for cross-border payments, it's one of the greatest things ever to come out. But, you know, going back to the banks, you have, you have, you have guys like Jamie Dimon, who I, I, I actually uh, look up to as a CEO. I mean, I, I can't wait for a book one day to be written about him. Um, he, he's a highly respected Wall Street CEO. JP Morgan's a powerhouse. He denounced Bitcoin, denounced cryptocurrencies, forebode traders uh, at, the, uh, at Morgan from uh, trading it. Um, Wells Fargo, another bank that, you know, anybody who had a bank account linked to a, 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 a crypto exchange and their account was at Wells Fargo, they shut those accounts down for retail people. But those two banks now have their own coin. They have the JP Morgan coin, they have the Wells Fargo coin. They developed those under the nose of a lot of people. Um, they use that digital currency internally for uh, internal settlement purposes. But you have a horse speaking out of two sides of its mouth when it comes to the big banks. They're as much a part of this in their own projects uh, as much as on the face of things they say how bad it is. So we'll see what the jury says. Well, um, that article that I was talking about with McDermott over at Goldman, that article was saying over, you know, that Alex put out last week, folks, um, was saying that he has been in talks with, it doesn't, you know, imply that they're doing a deal, but that he talks regularly with uh, JP Morgan and Facebook, and that uh, there's a potential uh, that they could work together. And you could only imagine how that might be uh, both uh, scary and uh, pretty cool if JP Morgan and Goldman Sachs were uh, both uh, working together in the crypto space. I think, you know, those three companies you just mentioned um, would combine to be a powerhouse in the space, right? So JP Morgan, Goldman, both have the ear of the regulators, both of a uh, very large global operation. And then you have Facebook that uh, has, you know, undoubtedly one of the largest distribution platforms uh, to individuals in the world. So if everybody there kind of came around the campfire and figured out a business, that could be, that could be potentially huge. Well, I, I think we're gonna be hearing a lot more about that, Alex. Um, I think I've done maybe one or two uh, digital asset or you know, cryptocurrency Zooms uh, since, uh, let's see, I think since March, only two. And have you been participating in some of those? You haven't been traveling is my guess no. because I haven't traveled for one of those either. But are you uh, participating in some of those with either Bquant or the crypto fund? Yeah, so I mean, you know, last time I traveled was to London. Um, we were supposed to go together. You called it right. You said I'm staying home. And, uh, you know, the next thing, uh, COVID hit. So uh, good call, John, just like your options trading. Um, <laughs> I but, thought you uh, had a good time anyway, man. <laughs> oh, it's always a good time. Over you might have been stuck there for a while. <laughs> yeah, I, I would have been scared of that. Um, my wife would have missed me, or maybe not. Um, the uh, you know the, those uh, virtual conferences um, at first I, I really didn't think uh, had any legs um, but as we attended a few as a company and and got online those things really evolved they had individual networking rooms so if you saw buddy somebody you wanted to speak to you could connect while it was happening live and go into a private you know uh, side room it, it, it turned out that it, they, they've been great. Um, 
you know, I don't know how how th- those things have affected the uh, conference companies that put them on. I know it's I know it's a pretty tough uh, environment right now, but uh, yeah, I've attended a few and I, I thought they were uh, they were nicely done. The, the technology nowadays is is great for that sort of stuff. Let me ask you a quick one about custody and safe quant, because obviously you guys have this pension for using quant in the <laughs> names of any of your stuff. You've got bquant. You've got uh, um, bquant exchange, and you've got SafeQuant. Can you tell us anything about SafeQuant.io? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, SafeQuant is um, our custodian uh, that we have in house, um, and that's headed up by by a really great gentleman, Richard Shade, who's our head of custody. Um, you know, it, it's it's they've been so busy uh, the way they've built that out, but it always feels like they're building it out continuously. And that's because technology and ways to, uh, to penetrate security are over cha- are always changing. But um, Richard and his team, uh, you know, they, they constantly working on new safeguards for client custody accounts, um, such as one way only uh, devices and PCs uh, where you can, you can, shuttle assets out of a, let's call it a, a manual device such as a hardened laptop or something else, but nothing can come into it. So it's a one way only, so it can't be hacked and, uh, and various things like that. But they're always working on technology uh, on the custody side, because I think that's still one of the, the largest vulnerabilities for the market uh, as a whole. Now, uh, one of my last questions for you, big guy, is about Binance US. Um, I know you guys put it out. I know Decrypt was talking about it and things like that. But they had to halt all trading and orders uh, after something happened. Yeah. And uh, I know you guys wrote about it. And you said, hey, the CEO, Catherine Cooley, tweeted, everything's fine. Your funds are safe. Where does that stand right now as far as you know, Al? Yeah, I, I, you know, Binance is, uh, you know, the news coming out about that has been pretty quiet outside of what we all knew. Um, you know, Coinbase has suffered uh, those particular outages uh, this year, um, particularly, uh, and at high demand times. Um, I, you know, we've never suffered an outage, so I haven't experienced it uh, ever. Um, but I can say when you're a large counterparty like those guys, uh, you might want to overly communicate to your customers. Uh, that's for sure. Because people, people do get worried. Uh, and, and if you're not telling them something, um, you know, rumors build up and everything like that. Uh, I, I, I feel bad for Binance uh, US um, and, and I hope they're resolving it. I hope it wasn't a hack. I don't think it was. Um, but uh, the outages need to stop. We're still a maturing industry. So we need to solve that problem. Last question, uh, Bitcoin, end of the year. We're at 11,588 right now. Where do you think we are when the calendar turns at the end of the year, Alex? I say December 31st, uh, we are going to be 17,5. So basically 6,000 higher than where it is right now. I do believe that. I don't think it'll, it'll go to 20. I think we'll have the usual holiday sell off a little bit. Um, so we'll settle in around 17.5. All right. Well, folks, if you'd like to subscribe to uh, the Crypto Fund Report that you've heard us talking about, you just go to CryptoFundReport.com 
um, all together there. And uh, again, as you heard, it's free. Um, lots of great information. Alex does a great job with his team putting that thing together and putting it out every Sunday, as you heard him say. Um, it's got directories, it's got events on it and so forth. And uh, I just wanted to say thank you, Alex, for being such a great supporter of digital assets. Uh, John, always a pleasure, man. Great to see you again. Thank you for having me. Thank you, sir. All right, buddy. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.